Hi, and welcome to the Burning Ones podcast. Our desire is to see people all around the world burn for one name, Jesus. We pray that you experience the love and power of Him through this journey. Thank you for joining us, and may burning witnesses arise. All right. If you have your Bible, again, you can open it up to the book of Daniel, where we have been now for months. Um, Daniel has helped to give us a frame for the conversation that we've been having over several months now. And last week, we began a discussion on dreams and visions and how Daniel's life in a public way was informed by the experience that he was having with the Lord in a private way. And Daniel knew how to steward his life faithfully, publicly, because of all of the experiences, whether they be dreams, visions, again, there were visitations, messengers, but all of that was to communicate to Daniel messages in order for him to posture himself, in order to navigate, in order to be faithful, in order to steward his life well, and what he was doing in a public way, um, he had to lean heavily upon what God was revealing to him in the secret place. Um, heavily upon what the Lord was revealing to him in the secret place. And as we jump back in, uh, Daniel chapter 2, again, is the first instance in Daniel's experience where we find him with an experience in dreams. Now we know chapter 1, they enter into consecration, right? Again, it's fasting, prayer, 10 days, vegetables and water. They get examined. They continue on. So three years, vegetables and water. That was their training period. But it says, and... Unto Daniel and his friends, they were given knowledge, insight, wisdom, and learning. And Daniel even understood or was given to Daniel the ability to interpret dreams and visions of all kinds. Now, that's really important, right? It's really important. And so as we cross over into chapter two, we find out why it was so important. Um, again, Daniel just wasn't gifted for the sake of being gifted, uh, but these were real abilities that helped him to navigate his life. When things got uncertain, when things seemed to be complex, when there seemed to be moments or periods of hostility, and Daniel did not really know what to do, um, because again, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, possibly it leads to death, um, when Daniel did not really know what to do or where things seemed hopeless in his fleshly ability in order to reason well or in order to just create um, decisions or to put his life into outcomes. Uh, in chapter two, we find that when Nebuchadnezzar has the dream, they go back and Daniel says, hey guys, listen, uh, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna ask the Lord for compassion that he would reveal to us this mystery in a dream. And they go to sleep. Um, and when Daniel awakens, he begins to give God praise. And he begins to rejoice because all of what was bound up in mystery, God unveiled it. He unpacked it. All of what seemed to be hidden in the darkness, God brought it out and brought it all out into the light. And Daniel is rejoicing because he understands um, that God is the only one that can bring things out of darkness and out into the light. Yeah. Things that are packaged up, things that are bound, things that seem to be sealed in mystery. God is the only one that can unveil it and that can help us um, in the place of our insight to be able to interpret the things that otherwise would just seem to remain in riddles. And Daniel rejoices. And we know the story. He goes before Nebuchadnezzar and he does not only, not, now get this, he, he does not only interpret a dream for Nebuchadnezzar, but he tells Nebuchadnezzar what he dreamed the night before. Um, have you ever had an experience like this? I, I think more so we're familiar with 
um, interpreting dreams and jumping into the process of, you know, trying to be faithful on the Blue's Clues trail and, you know, giving ourselves to the explorative process, you know, the investigative process of really trying to discern the voice of the Lord. Man, what is God saying? There's all kinds of pictures and there's symbols and there's this and that. And, you know, there's types and shadows and on and on and on it goes. Um, but how many times have we had the experience like Daniel had? Um, where he comes to Nebuchadnezzar and he says, King, listen, this is what your dream was. And this is what God is saying to you. Um, and he doesn't bring him necessarily an encouraging interpretation. Um, he doesn't bring him something that's really nice, uh, right? right? He brings him an interpretation of judgment. Um, but he also tells him what his dream was. Um, I, I didn't have any intention on actually... Uh, sharing this, but but I remember years ago being in Armenia, Colombia, and in Armenia, Colombia, I, I was there um, with some really beautiful people, um, Evoke Ministries, and I was along with them, and they were hosting a crusade in downtown Armenia, and I remember it was a couple of days, and over the course of those days, um, they wanted to some of the people that were there locally wanted to introduce me because of my testimony and because of the story that I have and, you know, the life that I used to live and all of the experiences that that was. Um, they wanted to introduce me to one of the head drug dealers in the region. Um, now, this guy, you know, some would just kind of come to the conclusion that he wasn't really a nice guy, um, but they knew that he was going to come by what was the citywide festival. It, it was a crusade, but it was a festival daytime. And then there was crusade at night, preaching the gospel, praying for the sick. And I remember it was later in the afternoon and they brought him down. And I remember when he arrived and, you know, they came and got me and I walked up and really cool guy, um, you know, younger guy. I mean, at that point, I would say maybe mid thirties, you know, had dreads and uh, lighter complexion and on and on. Uh, and we were standing there just kind of just kind of talking and chopping it up for a minute. And I remember he started talking about um you know, the, the creation and how, you know, God was in everything and God was in trees and animals and, you know, all this kinds of stuff and, and more new age type stuff. Um, but he was not born again. That, that, that was for sure was not born again. Um, but as we were talking, I wasn't really interested in getting into some sort of debate about, you know, the stars and, you know, trees and, you know, it, dogs and bears and all kinds of crazy stuff. Just the, the conversation was going away that I didn't really have any interest in going. And I was not going to debate. Back in the direction that I wanted to go. Um, and so I just stopped for a moment. And I remember while he was talking, I just in my heart, um, I said, Lord, if you don't give me something here, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to try to debate him. I'm not looking to argue. Um, I'm not looking to be confrontational in any way like that at all. I said, but Lord, if you don't speak to me, um, I don't feel like this is going to go anywhere. And honestly, I'm probably just going to end up walking away after the conversation is done. And I said, but Lord, would you speak to me? And I remember the Lord said, I've given him dreams three nights in a row mm -hmm. for the past three nights. And all of what I have shown him in the dreams is what he is talking to you about. But he does not understand that the bright light at the end and the face that he saw in the sun was me and that I've been leading him to me. And that all, and, and again, the Lord just began to speak to me in a real beautiful way. Obviously we know um, because of Hebrews that Jesus is the radiant yeah. face of God that he is the son, but he is the visible expression of God himself, that he is the bright shining like the sun, the radiant expression of God. He is God's son. Um, and so I just, as I felt these things in my own heart from the Lord, I just let him finish. And I, I stopped and I said, Hey man, listen, uh, can I ask you a question? And he said, sure, we had an interpreter that, that was working with us. Uh, because again, I may look like a native, uh, but my Spanish in my ability to speak it um, is weak at best. Uh, I can understand a lot. I read, you know, I can even write well, but being able to speak it, uh, it is weak. I know some other third generation um, 
uh, I'm messing with somebody that's actually in the room that you can't see. Uh, some other third generation Hispanics uh, that they're speaking is weak at best also. Um, but so I had an interpreter that was working with me and I remember asking him, you've had dreams the past three nights in the row and it's the same dream. You've had the same dream three nights in a row. And man, his eyes got as big as satellite dishes. Um, and I said, you've had the same dream three nights in a row. And this is what was in the dream. And these things mean these things. And the reason God used this is because it means this and this, that, and it means this and what the Lord is trying to show you. And it was just a beautiful opportunity. Um, he ended up allowing me to pray with him. Uh, he wanted to surrender his life to God in a real way. And all of these things. And that's amazing. Yeah. But, it, but it's not only amazing because it went that way. Uh, because again, it might not necessarily always end that way. Uh, because that is the point. But it may not always be the point that we arrive at as we're interacting with people. Um, but the point is this. It was the first time that the Lord actually revealed to me dreams that someone else was having. Other than myself that I was trying to interpret. Or someone that I knew that had shared a dream with me. Uh, that we were praying through and wrestling with, trying to come to the interpretation or the conclusion itself. Um, and so what we find here in the life of Daniel is just not for Daniel alone. But may we be provoked by what we see, by the experience that Daniel has and the testimony of Daniel's life. May we be provoked that we can bump into people in the grocery store and if we're not so self-consumed in the moment, maybe on our phone, maybe trying to remember items that we had, but maybe if we would just stop in any moment throughout the day and say, Lord, is there someone around that you're desiring to speak to? Lord, is there someone in proximity that you are after, that you are jealously longing to speak to? Um, Lord, would you speak to me for them? You never know. Uh, as a matter of fact, I do know, uh, but you never know. Um, the Lord may speak to you and he may give you a dream that someone has had. Um, and he may speak to you out of the way that he has been speaking to them through the night. Again, Psalm 16, 7, David says, it's you, Lord, that I give praise. Um, I worship you because you give me counsel and you bring me instructions in the night season. Um, and we want to help so that we can lean heavily and build a confidence in God for the way that he speaks to us in the night. We're all dreamers. If you have the Holy Ghost, you're a dreamer, you're a visionary. Um, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, even upon my sons and daughters. They will prophesy. Um, and I want to look at something very particular today. Um, I want to look at God's ability to give us wisdom in real time by the way that he speaks to us in dreams. Mm -hmm. um, to give us wisdom in real time and even to bring us insight of things to come. Um, things to come day by day and maybe even things to come that span out over weeks, months, years pertaining to our life and the experiences of what our life is actually going to look like. We should be leaning heavily upon God's instructions in dreams and visions and learning to navigate the voice of the Lord as he speaks to us through the night. Um, let's look at Matthew chapter 2. Um, Matthew chapter two, we're going to find Joseph and Mary, right? We looked last week in Matthew chapter one, Joseph, because of the way that he was leaning on his own upright stature before the Lord, his own righteousness. He was a righteous man. He was going to, um, send Mary away when he found out that she was pregnant again, his own righteousness his own consideration of what would be best in the moment that he was facing. Again, there's a way that seems right to a man, but sometimes that ends up leading to death. Um, he goes to sleep and it says that God sends him an angel in a dream. And the angel basically tells him, hey man, listen, you're about to blow it. You're about to mess up. Um, you are about to ruin what it is that God is trying to do. Um, I need you to snap out of it. 
I need you to get in the game. I need you to understand that I'm in this, um, that it's not um, through some other form of corruption or sin. Um, Mary hasn't been unfaithful to you. I understand that you think you're doing what is right. Um, but listen to me, God is in this. The baby that she is carrying in her womb is from the Lord. You are to call him Jesus. He is going to be a boy. He will be a deliverer and on and on. Um, so we saw last week how in moments where we may be getting ready to make the wrong decision, God can come to us and he can give us a dream. Um, and if we give God room in order to speak to us, and if we would learn to lean upon God's wisdom in dreams, um, what if Joseph did not have a capacity at all to be willing to entertain God's voice in dreams? Um, I'll tell you what, he would have gotten up and he would have sent Mary away. And that's not to say that all of what God is doing hinges upon whether we make one right or wrong decision. Uh, I don't believe that at all, uh, because I believe that God is way more powerful in his ability in order to faithfully work out all of what he is doing than the way that we would insert ourselves into the equation, believing that we hold enough power in our decision making to completely derail everything God is doing with one wrong decision. Um, I don't believe that at all. Uh, but God sends him a dream. And he sends him a dream so that Joseph can stay aligned with what God is doing. Mm -hmm. He sends him a dream so that he does not end up attempting to mess up what it is that God is doing. But then we find that that wasn't the only experience. Um, as we continue on, in verse 13, again, this is Matthew chapter 2. It says, Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. And what happens? Again, Joseph must have had a capacity to not just entertain the voice of the Lord in dreams, but he must have had a capacity. He must have developed a dependency on the Lord mm -hmm. in order to come out of dreams with an idea of what it was that God wanted to do and then be accountable, then to obey what he knew was God's instructions right. through those dreams that he was having. Because again, it's not enough just to know that you are having the dreams. It's not enough just to be able to discern what it is that you know God may right. be saying. It's not enough just to have a journal full of encounters, just to have a notebook full of experiences, just to have a long list of entry items. Man, well, I know that God's been speaking to me too for a long time. What did Joseph actually do? Verse 14. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. And he remained there until the death of Herod. God spoke to Joseph in a dream for what he was supposed to do tomorrow. This wasn't some time out this wasn't some word from the Lord that he was supposed to spend a season praying about. Um, those things are beautiful and they're right when they're right. Um, but when they're wrong, they're not right. Uh, and so we have to be able to identify what's right when it's right. Uh, and it was important that Joseph didn't spend the next 30 days praying and fasting about what he thought God was saying in the dream because there was an urgency to what was revealed and Joseph understood it. And while it was still night, he didn't even like wait until the morning. He didn't roll over and try to get back into the sheets and rest well until the break of day. It says that once he was awakened from the dream, he got up and he got moving. There was an urgency. But this is what I love. Um, God gave him insight. He brought him instructions into what we was, he was supposed to do right now. What tomorrow was supposed to look like. And, and I think we, we honestly, 
Like we need to be able to develop. Now, again, I joked last week, so I'm not going to really jump into um, the jokes again this week pertaining to, uh, you know, Anna and what it looks like for us every day. Uh, it's not a joke at all. I joke about it um, because it's funny to me just because it is so different than the way that the Lord walks with me. Um, I dream, but I don't dream in volume the way that my wife does. Um, yes, during times of fasting and things of that nature, and even, you know, here and there uh, when we're not in a fast, um, but Anna dreams nightly. Uh, and at times, it's things that wouldn't seem to be a big deal to anybody else. Uh, I remember, and I'm sure you'll probably remember the details better than me. Um, you remember the dream you had for the baby food with Isaiah? Uh, do you remember the details of the dream? Mm -hmm. Yeah, an angel. Just, just, just vaguely. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, I had a dream. Um, and at the time, the night before I had it, when I woke up from the dream, Isaiah had turned three months. I didn't realize from the dream that Isaiah had turned three months. It was the, it was the exact day. It was the exact day that yep. he turned three months. Um, but in the dream, I was in a grocery store, and there was an angel who was leading me down aisles and um, the angel brought me to three different types of baby foods. And the angel specifically said, start with this one first. And it was a it was a jar of avocado, which is hilarious because my son loves avocado, like loves it. So I felt like the, the Lord was instructing me, begin to feed him avocado. The three spoke to, I feel like even three months. So I was like, I woke up from the dream and I'm like, I was like, Mike, I don't know. Like the Lord showed me this, like... And so we looked up because we were like, I feel like that's too early to start feeding him baby food. I mean, three months is early. Usually you don't start feeding baby food, but it was very like I knew the angel took me specifically and said, feed him this and the three. And so we started looking up like, when can you begin to feed a baby baby food? And it like literally says three months. The day I woke up from the dream, he was exactly three months. And so we began to feed him avocado. And it just seems so simple. But the Lord was like in it and given instruction and. I don't know. I don't know why it, he needed avocado at three months, but the angel told me he needed it. So we were obedient to it and he loves it. And, and I get it. The, the similarity between what we're reading here in Matthew two, where Joseph awakes from a dream and tells him the king, which is Herod, is out to destroy your son. Mm -hmm. He wants to kill him. Yep. You have to get up and go to Egypt yeah. now. I get it. The similarity between that dream and the instructions for baby food meant to be that compatible. But the point that I want to make is this. Um, God is interested in all of the intricate details of mm -hmm. our life. And you may think at this point that there are things that God does not care about, um, that there are compartments of your life where you have just categorized them off um, as, you know, God only cares about A, B, and C, but D, E, and F, I have to try to figure it out for myself. I have to try to do the best that I can. I have to lean upon my own wisdom or the world system or however it is that you are seeking to navigate the different things that you may be going through. But I want to encourage you that there is no part of your life that God is not interested in. Yeah. And that to the degree that we would be willing to be open to hear him speak about things pertaining to our life and all of the details of them, um, he will reveal to us his wisdom. Mm -hmm. He'll speak to us so beautifully. He'll lead us. He'll guide us. Uh, we truly are not left alone. Mm -hmm. um, we have not been abandoned to use the world's methods as a way to try to be successful in how we walk with him. Paul says that we have been granted access to the mind of Christ by the Holy Spirit. This is 1 Corinthians 2, 16. By the Spirit, you and I have been granted access to the mind of Christ. And now we have to learn how to depend mm -hmm. on God to speak, to reveal things. God, would you give us insights? Yeah. Um, but day by day, there is no part of your life that he's not interested in. And so... Can I, can I add something real quick? Yeah. Um, just as he was speaking about Joseph and how he got up and it, in the night he got up to move. I think it's very important how many times have many of us woken up in the middle of the night from the dream and we remember the details like specifically. And I think we need to realize that stewardship is obedience at times. And 
How many times do we go back to sleep and then we wake up and don't remember the details of the dream? But yet when we woke up, it was like, oh, I have to remember that. Like, I'm going to remember it. But I had times where I didn't get up and write it down and I forgot the dream. So I just even think about Joseph. Like if he would have just went back to sleep and waited until the morning to even move, would he would remembered that moment? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important that we even understand even stewardship in the place of dreams and visions and his voice. Um, why do I need to get up right now? Well, there's importance to it. There's something that your spirit is doing in the night as we even read, you know, through Psalms, like there are our spirits are at rest and they're quickened in the night. And so whenever you have the dream and you come out stewarding it well is really important. Um, because again, like Mike was talking about the details, every single little detail is important. And again, like he said, like God's plans and purposes aren't going to be thrown off track because of us, but I feel like the more we can align our lives um, to steward well and be obedient well, like the more further we're going to push, you know, every plan that he has. I even think of, you know, like the, the Magi, like they were instructed by night to go a separate way to go home, yeah. you know, not to report back to Herod. So every detail is really important. Yeah, every detail is a key helping us unlock the voice of the Lord and come to clearation. Again, God is not bound to our interpretation. He's bound to his intentions. Mm -hmm. And so we want to be careful to steward well. Uh, and I've had plenty of times, like you're saying, mm -hmm. um, you know, you roll over, you wake up for a minute. It's like, oh man, I got to make sure that I remember that in the morning. Like, man, and the details are so clear and everything seems so vibrant, uh, you know, but maybe you got to get up and you, you got to go somewhere in order to, you know, jot the details down. Um, let me encourage you. Keep a notebook by the bed. Keep your phone by the bed. If you got to roll over, grab your phone and do a voice note. If you got to roll over, type a note in your phone. If you're a writing kind of person, if you got to roll over, keep a journal where you can just write down the details that are going to help you reflectively um, in order to refresh the details of the dream. Make sure that you're jotting down key points, things that are clear in the dream that you remember. Uh, and nothing is off limits when it comes to um, details. Everything is important. L listen to this um, in Ezekiel chapter one. We're going to come right back to Matthew two, but listen to this in Ezekiel chapter one. Now it came about in the 13th year, detail, on the fifth day, detail, mm -hmm. of the fourth month, good. detail, while I was by the river Kebar, detail, among the exiles, detail. The heavens were opened. And I saw visions of God. We have five details in the first verse alone of Ezekiel's stewardship of experiences that he was having with the Lord. The time, the month, the day, where he was, who else was around. Um, details are incredible keys to help us understand what it is that God is actually saying. Um, and we're going to look at that whenever we jump back um, a couple of places. No detail is not important. Ezekiel recorded everything that he could remember. Everything that he could remember. Mm -hmm. um, because God breathes on stewardship. Yeah. Again, he who's faithful with little, God will breathe on it. And he'll be rewarded with much, um, greater insight, greater, greater clarity. Um, but here we have, in verse 19, Herod dies, right? So Joseph has been in Egypt with his wife and his son. Herod dies. And again, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go into the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. What happens? Verse 21, so Joseph got up, took the child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. Here we have the beauty of God's voice, moment by moment, season by season, bringing very clear instructions as to what Joseph is supposed to be doing and how he is supposed to be handling his wife and the life of his child. Okay. Um, here's... Here's a great little tidbit 
um, I believe husbands, right? Here we find a husband um, learning moment by moment and season by season how to parent well. Um, hey, listen, get up, take your son and go to yeah. Egypt. Yeah. Um, there's danger for him. Come on. Um, there are adversaries that are out to get him. Um, I believe that God can give you extraordinary wisdom through dreams in how to parent. Yeah. Um, I believe that God can give you extraordinary wisdom in dreams and visions on how you should steward well the life of your children. Here in a dream, God sends an angel to reveal to Joseph there's enemies that are out to get him. You have to take him from where he is and move him to somewhere else. God can give us wisdom on how the enemy is after our children yeah. and seeking to gain access or points of entry into their lives, different things that he is wielding against them, different fiery darts that he has formed against them. God can and will and does bring us beautiful wisdom on how to parent well. And this is also a husband. It wasn't just get up and take your son, but it was get up and take your wife and son and go. May we be open as, as husbands and wives too. Yeah. As husbands, but I'm a husband, so I'm using the analogy of the husband. May we be open as husbands to the beauty of God's voice bringing us instructions. Um, again, the first one was, you need to get up and do this tomorrow. Um, man, some of us, I was going to say some of you, but some of us husbands, uh, at times the Lord is going to speak to us in the night uh, of things that we need to be aware of to get up and do tomorrow yeah. um, as it relates to our wife, as it relates to our children. Uh, but again, if we are not open to the urgency at times that God would communicate in the place of dreams, we may end up missing certain incredibly significant things. Why? Because we have not yet learned to allow our lives to fall under the tension of obedience to God mm -hmm. as he speaks to us through the night. Yeah. Um, this is just amazing. <laughs> well, I love that it also points out Joseph's humanity and his flesh, like they get there and he realizes that Herod's son is in place of his father. And it says that he was afraid. And so he went another way. He left for the regions of Galilee to live in Nazareth. But it says then this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. So I think at times we even are afraid to get up and make those moves to make the decisions. But like we talked about last week, like if we are being obedient, we're stewarding well, like God is not afraid of us messing it up. Like he's, he trusts us with even decisions that even Joseph made. Joseph was afraid. So he left for Galilee. It doesn't say that the Lord visited him. You know, he took a nap and the Lord visited him again. Like, no, he was afraid. So he left for Galilee, but the Lord is still leading you know, I, and I feel like because of his obedience and those moments, it opened Joseph up to even the discernment at times of what the spirit is doing, you know? So, yeah, let's jump all the way back mm -hmm. to Genesis 15. Um, and as you're turning to Genesis 15, uh, I want to make a quick comment just about what we're talking about. Um, make a quick comment out of Genesis 40 and 41. Um, in Genesis 40, you may be familiar with this already. It is Joseph in prison. Now, Joseph is in prison because he had a dream earlier in his life. We get his introduction in chapter 37. Um, and his introduction in chapter 37 is he's having dreams. Um, he's having dreams, but he doesn't necessarily know how to handle them best. And he ends up sharing the dream first with his brothers. Now, we already get details that his brothers can't stand him. Um, they hate him because he is the son of his father's old age. And Jacob loves him. And he favors him in a way that seems to be more than the rest of his brothers. And they despise him because of it. They can't stand this dude. Um, and it says that they can't even talk to him in a way that's nice, uh, in a way that's civil. It says that everything is just hostile. Um, but Joseph has this dream. And he has this dream that all of his brothers are bowing down to him. Now, granted, here's the context. They already can't stand him. And so Joseph comes and shares the dream. Because it's a dream of sheaves. And there's other sheaves that are bowing down to his. And he shares the dream. This is, jo this is Genesis 37. He shares the dream. And when he does, 
It says they hate him all the more. Mm -hmm. They hate him all the more. And then it says he has another dream. And in this other dream, now even he sees what he believes, what he's interpreting is his mom and dad, his mother and father that are going to bow down to him also along with his brothers. Um, And when you look at Genesis 37, it even says that he gets rebuked by his dad. And Jacob is like, do you actually think there's going to come a moment where we are going to end up bowing down to you? Almost like, boy, have you lost your mind? Like, man, like if you don't go somewhere with all this foolishness, like thinking that we are actually going to bow down to you. First, it was just your brothers. And if that wasn't bad enough, now you brought your mom and dad into it. And you think everybody's going to bow down to you like you're Mr. The Stuff. And it says, but his father kept the saying in mind. Now, here we have Joseph Hmm. having dreams about things that are going to happen futuristically. They're not going to happen tomorrow. They're not even necessarily going to happen in a week from now, not even in a year from now. But Joseph is getting insight in dreams pertaining to things that are to come. Um, They are valid. His experience is authentic. He just doesn't understand, first off, what to do with the dream. Have you ever had a dream? Man, you knew you met with the Lord. You knew God was trying to say something. Um, You saw the details and you felt like you had a clear interpretation, um, but you just didn't understand the when, right? You knew the what, but you just didn't understand the when. And it wasn't clear as to why. Joseph doesn't understand why he's having the dream. He doesn't know when the fulfillment of the dream is actually going to happen. He just knows the what. He's had the dream and the sheaves are bowing down and he has been lifted up in the midst of. Um, And we know that it is years and years and years. Joseph ends up in Egypt. He ends up in prison. Um, Now, granted, the fulfillment of the dream will come. And there will come a day when Joseph is the second most powerful man in the land. He's the right hand to Pharaoh. He's been exalted in the nation of Egypt. He has wisdom that is exceeding and abundant beyond all of his contemporaries. He is helping Egypt to survive. There is wisdom for feasting. There is wisdom for famine. Joseph is extraordinary in this season. But it says that he invites his family down to Egypt. And the fulfillment of the dream comes and they end up bowing down before him. But there's a lot that has happened in Joseph's life in order to ready him for the fulfillment of the dream that he did not necessarily understand the great implications of earlier in life when he was dreaming and interpreting. The fulfillment of those things came much later. But in between that time period, we find Joseph in prison. And this is what I want to look at in chapter 40. Um, there's the baker and the cupbearer, And I don't know what exactly they do to Pharaoh, um, but they make him really mad and Pharaoh puts him in prison. And they end up in the same prison that Joseph's in. And it says that these guys have, yeah, I, I wanted to say use guys. Uh, we spend a lot of time up in the, the northern, uh, northeastern part of the country. Um, these guys end up each having a dream And each man is what Genesis 40 tells us. Each man has a dream and each man's dream has its own interpretation, but they bring it to Joseph and the details of the dreams they begin to share. Um, And again, we find details. It says, so this is verse nine. The chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him in my dream, behold, There was a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. And as it was budding, its blossoms came out, and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my right hand. So I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And then Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. So look at what's actually happening. The cupbearer has a dream. 
He shares it in a prison cell with Joseph. Joseph immediately feels led because before he shares it, he says, don't interpretations belong to God. But he recognizes an ability that he carries by the spirit to navigate the details of the dream and to provide clear interpretation as to what God is saying to the cupbearer out of the dream that the cupbearer had. And he says, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Details. Details matter. There are three vines. And out of the three vines, Joseph knows the interpretation. There are three days. He says the three branches are three days. And within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to your former custom when you were the cupbearer. Only keep me in mind when it goes well with you. And please do me a favor by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of here. For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I've done nothing that they should have put me in the dungeon. Now, look at what happens. When the other guy sees that Joseph gives him a favorable interpretation, he decides that he wants to share his dream too, right? This is hilarious. He doesn't go first. He waits to see Joseph and the cupbearer and their interaction. And based off of the favorable interpretation, he recognizes, hey, I'm going to jump in this too. Hey, listen, I want to tell you my dream also. And he shares the dream with Joseph. I also saw in my dream and behold, there were three baskets and the baskets were full of white bread and they were on my head. And in the top basket, there were some, uh, some of all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh and the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. And in verse 18, listen to Joseph. Then Joseph answers and says, this is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. I can imagine the excitement building um, because the chief baker just heard the favorable interpretation for the cupbearer. Three days, you're going to be restored to your office. All is going to go well with you. You're going to be blessed. Pharaoh is going to favor you again. And so it's starting off in a similar way. He says the three baskets represent three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and will hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat your flesh off you. And thus it came about on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that the fulfillment of the interpretations, just like Joseph shared, came to pass. I kind of feel bad in, in some way. I mean, not really, but sort of for the baker, because the baker tried to hop into the interpretation game when he realized that Joseph was handing out favorable interpretations as it pertained to the cupbearer's dream. He watched the interaction go down, and once he saw that things were going well, he thought to himself, man, I'm going to get an interpretation too. And he shared it with Joseph, and Joseph looked at him and said, hey, bro, listen, in three days, Pharaoh's going to hang you, and the birds are going to eat your flesh. Hold on, bro. Like, how do you get three days restoration back in office, all types of incredible favor? How do you get that out of what he shared? And then you get three days, I'm going to get hung and I'm going to die and the birds are going to eat my flesh. Um, and this is the beauty uh, for those of us who at times are wrestling with interpretations. Um, sometimes what we interpret becomes difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, not every interpretation is celebration. Um, sometimes interpretations bring correction. Um, sometimes interpretations bring correction. Mm -hmm. And so here's my point. 
you, I'm, I'm not going to jump into how Joseph knew what and what. I, I believe that he knew the voice of the Lord, that he had the ability, that he had tracked with God, that he had developed a history, that he understood and was able to navigate both dreams and that God granted him wisdom in the moment in order to bring the interpretation to each man as it was needed. Um, but my point is this, as we are looking to interpret and as we are looking to wrestle with revelation, as we are seeking to build history in the secret place with the Lord on the details of dreams and things that have been revealed, it is important that we understand that not every dream and its interpretation is going to be coming for something that we would determine is worthy of celebration. Yeah. Um, at times, God is going to correct us. Um, again, not every dream only comes for celebration. Sometimes dreams come for correction. Um, but if you're not even open to God correcting you, then you are going to try to coerce every dream that you have into a favorable revelation or into a favorable interpretation. And that is not necessarily all the time what it is that God is communicating. Where we started in Daniel 2 and in Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar has dreams, Daniel comes in, and the interpretation is one of correction, it is one of judgment, it is an offering of repentance so that Nebuchadnezzar could turn so that the fulfillment of the dream in chapter 4 did not actually have to happen to him the way that Daniel interpreted it. But Nebuchadnezzar did not turn, he went out on his balcony, he was boasting, and it said one year to the day, every word that Daniel interpreted, the fulfillment mm -hmm. actually came on Nebuchadnezzar's life. And it happened to him just like Daniel said. Um, th this is important, right? Because some of us uh, actually believe that we are beyond the point of correction and that God will not actually correct us. Um, this is Hebrews 12. Sons that he loves, he disciplines, he corrects. And if we are beyond the point of discipline, that we are illegitimate. That if we are beyond the point of correction, that we are illegitimate. But that the legitimacy of our sonship comes with the disciplining of the Lord. Mm -hmm. It's his loving kindness and his correction. As we read out of Job, I speak to men when they slumber upon their beds while they remain in sleep. I speak to them in order to correct their conduct and to eliminate their pride. Um, so it's important that we understand that sometimes we are going to be off in what we are doing as we already referenced in Matthew 1. Joseph was off in what he was doing and it took a dream in order to correct him. Yeah. Um, and the baker gets a dream to correct him and to reveal to him what his future is going to look like. The cupbearer gets a dream as to what his future is going to look like. The baker gets a dream as to what his future is going to look like. And they are not the same. Uh, and, and let me just tell you, uh, too, especially if you are involving yourself with others, and if you are praying with people, and if you are fasting with people, and if you are helping people navigate dreams, um, again, this is something that we should be doing, as Anna pointed out last week. When Daniel knew the urgency of the hour, he went to his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they asked the Lord for compassion to speak to them in a dream. And they all wrestled through the night. And God spoke to them, spoke to Daniel. And Daniel brought it to them. And obviously they understood the implications of the interpretation. And Daniel took it to Nebuchadnezzar. But to show that, that we are covenanted to one another and that there are clusters of people that God is going to give us in order to entrust what is being revealed to us mm -hmm. so that we can faithfully labor together by the spirit, fasting and praying, seeking counsel, insight, God's wisdom, his voice in dreams and visions. Mm -hmm. What's important is that while we are doing this, I love the beauty in the diversity of the way that Joseph in a moment spoke to these different men. Um, Joseph wasn't the happy-go-lucky interpreter. Um, he wasn't the everybody gets a favorable interpretation kind of guy. He was the, I know what God is saying, yeah. and I have to be faithful with his voice. 
Um, and I have to be faithful to deliver to you what it is that I believe God is revealing to me about the dream that you had. And he does that. He does that with the cupbearer. He shares with him the interpretation. But then with the baker, he shares with him the interpretation also. And it is very different in the way that it lands on his life than it did with the cupbearer. But I love, now again, we don't necessarily get to see the body language. We don't get to hear the tone. We don't get to hear the inflection in Joseph's voice. Uh, possibly he shared these things with fear and trembling as he spoke to um, the baker. But the point is, is that he shared them in the way that he knew God was speaking to him. And that's really important. Mm -hmm. um, because at times I feel that we can bend under the pressure of wanting to preserve relationships we can bend under the pressure of not maybe wanting to offend somebody. Um, we can bend under the pressure and we can compromise what it is that we know that God is saying. And we can only share it in a way that we put a great positive spin on it. Or maybe we share the details in a way that's going to make them excited. Or maybe we just leave certain things out altogether mm -hmm. and we claim um, ignorance of certain things in a way that compromises because we know we know that we understand the implications of what it is that God is sharing, but we don't want to share it with the people that are asking us for our insight or our help because, because, um, and I don't like the way this sounds, but because there's still um, some, some fear of man in us. Um, there's still some fear of man in us. Um, where, because we shared. Uh, we don't want to offend somebody. You know, we always want to cater to, you know, the exciting stuff, or we always want to cater to the exciting stuff, uh, you know, the, the celebration stuff. Now, that's not to say we're supposed to be some doomsday, you know, Debbie Downer, um, you know, uh, vision assassin and always trying to kill people's hopes and dreams. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what we are to be, this is what Paul said when he stood before Agrippa. I want to be faithful to the heavenly vision. This is what we are to be. We are to be accountable to the Lord. Mm. Um, Paul said, if I was trying to please men, um, then they would accept me and they would embrace me. But I'm trying to be pleasing to the Lord. Uh, and there's going to be times where being pleasing to the Lord may not necessarily create a lot of excitability with people. Yeah. Um, and these are part of the costs that we are going to have to consider in order for the stewardship of dreams and visions to begin to grow in our life. Consider the first word that Samuel gets. Maybe you've never even thought about this, right? First Samuel three, again, he's laying in the presence. He, he knows the Lord comes to him. He has these visitations from the Lord. At first, he's going to Eli, right? Eli's like, no, nah, I'm not speaking to you, man. Go back and lay down. The third time he tells him, man, the Lord is coming to you. Next time, say your servant is listening. Here I am. What is the first word out of that encounter that Samuel gets? Go tell Eli that there's judgment on his life because of the way that he has been neglecting handling his sons correctly. Hophni and Phinehas, they are worthless. That's what the scripture says. That's not my own opinion. They are worthless before the Lord. Samuel gets a word of judgment and he has to go to the man that has raised him, to the man that has been faithful over his life, to the man that has raised him in the temple, trained him in matters of the presence. He goes to Eli and has to deliver this word. And Eli says, share with me everything that the Lord told you and don't hold back anything. And Samuel shares it. But what happens? We see in Samuel's life, later he is re referenced as not a single one of his words ever fell to the ground right. because God is interested in stewardship. Yeah. Yeah. God cares about the way that we handle his voice. It matters to him that we're not loose, careless, that we don't compromise in moments when it's convenient for us. He really cares on how we treat his voice. Again, 
Part of honoring the Lord is honoring his voice yeah. and how we handle his voice reveals the way that we honor him and his placement in our heart and in our life. And I love, I don't love it for the wrong reason. Again, um, I'm not in it for all that silly stuff, but I love the way that Joseph stays true to the Lord. And I love the way that Joseph, even in a moment when he could have as well shared with the baker, hey, listen, man, I'm going to give you an encouraging interpretation also. Why? Because I'm going to lean on you to try to get me out of here too. Joseph didn't lean on his own abilities, even if they be things imparted by the spirit. He did not lean on his own gifting in order to try to create favorable opportunities. But he shared the interpretation. And these were of things that were to come. And this is what we find in Genesis 15. We find that God puts Abram into a deep sleep and reveals to Abram prophetically things that are going to happen. Things that are going to happen. And if you track with the time periods, um, I'm just going to read it. I'll share the time periods. Now, when the sun was going down, this is verse 12. This is Genesis 15, 12. Now, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. And God said to him, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve. And afterward, they will come out with many possessions. And as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You will be buried at a good old age. And then in the fourth generation, they will return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Um, let's just cut right to the chase. Abram has a dream where he sees things that are going to happen 400 years later. And 800 years later, 400 years later is to the death of Joseph, where they are enslaved in Egypt. That is the fulfillment of the dream. God said to him in the dream, your descendants are going to be enslaved in a nation that does not belong to them. That is Israel coming into captivity in Egypt. Abram has the dream 400 years Later, the fulfillment of that word actually happens. And the Lord says, but they will be enslaved for a period of 400 years, and then I will deliver them and I will bring them out. That's another 400 years. Abram is shown in a dream. Mm -hmm. He has a visitation from the Lord and God grants him prophetic insight into things that are going to happen generations down the road, one point 400 years, another point, 800 years. This is insane. 400 years, 800 years. Abram gets prophetic insights into things that are to come. Right? This is the experience, Revelation 4, John, the Isle of Patmos, a voice, a door opens above him, come up here, I will show you things that are to come. Right? This is Daniel mm -hmm. chapter 11 and 12. When the angels come, they are bringing him insight pertaining to things at the end of the age. It, it is mind boggling to me that Abram has a dream. And God reveals to him things 400 years down the road and 800 years down the road. Do not put limits on God yeah. as to how he can speak to you of things that are going to happen one month from now, one year from now, 10 years from now. Um, I believe that in the same way that the Lord spoke to Abram, he desires to speak to us. We find it in Gideon's life also in Judges 7. Gideon is afraid. He has his army. But what does God tell him? He tells him, go down to the camp of the Midianites and listen. And I will give you a word there. And he goes down in chapter seven of Judges. And it says that he takes a couple of guys with him and they are camped out on the outskirts. 
and they hear the Midianites talking. And there's a guy who has had a dream and he's sharing the dream. And he says, in a dream, I saw a loaf of barley bread tumbling down the hill and coming into our camp and toppling over one of our tents. And they say, surely this is a word from the Lord. It is the God of Israel. And he has given them victory over us. Um, Gideon gets an interpretation from a dream that another man has pertaining to a victory that God is going to give them. And he hears the sharing of the dream. It's a loaf of barley bread tumbling down the hill. He's always the bread that comes down. Mm -hmm. um, a loaf of barley bread tumbling down the hill and toppling over the tents. What is the point? The point is God is giving insights pertaining to things that are to come. And we should not put any limitations on how God can speak to us and bring us wisdom in the night through dreams and visions. Yeah. Um, listen to me. If Abram can get insight for what's going to happen in 400 years, um, we can get insight in what's going to happen in four months. Um, we can get insight in what's going to happen two years from now. Uh, again, we've shared that it was through a dream that the Lord gave us and us really wrestling with the details of the dream and fasting and praying that the Lord gave us dates for our upcoming convocation, specifically October 15, 16, 17, gave us dates um, almost a year in advance of where we were to place it. We did not know back in December that we wouldn't be able to travel. We did not know back in December that there would be all types of issues in the beginning part of the year with gatherings. We did not know that it would not be possible for us to entertain the idea. We did not know, but the Lord knew. Yeah. Um, and we need to be open to honoring the voice of the Lord. And the prophetic insights that he can bring to us in dreams, matters that are attached to future events, insight for things pertaining to our lives in future days. Um, we need to be open to access the voice of the Lord. And again, um, as Anna pointed out, the details of our stewardship are going to be key. They are going to be paramount um, in how we learn to lean on God's voice and what he's revealing to us. Um, because I'm sure you can, I mean, share this also. Um, in the beginning, it may be really difficult. Man, what is God saying? What does that mean? You know, what does three vines mean? Man, what does a basket of bread mean? You know, this, that, whatever. Um, again, Joseph brought interpretation. Uh, again, Daniel brought interpretation. Uh, but we have the ability to learn what God is saying mm -hmm. as we are faithful over time in our ability to interpret things that he's revealing in dreams and visions. Yeah. And in the beginning, things may be difficult. But then you develop history. And your familiarity with how he speaks to you, right. it grows um, yeah, I don't know if maybe you want to, cause I know this is something that you talk about all the time. Um, just how in the beginning days we're, we're really learning. Mm -hmm. Um, but then over time, obviously it's not that things get easier because things actually grow more complex in what mm -hmm. we're seeing, but our ability to navigate, um, becomes easier because of the history that we've developed with the Lord and identifying some of the keys and the symbols um, and the right. figurative language and nature that God uses, things that seem, they seem like they're bound up in riddle, in riddles, or they mm -hmm. seem locked up, you know, in parables, um, but they begin to be unlocked and we grow in insight and learning and understanding. Uh, and let me just say a, a key to decoding the voice of the Lord mm -hmm. in dreams is an intimate familiarity with the word. Right. Um, an intimate familiarity with the word. Um, the word is key yeah. to unlocking 
or it becomes a key to opening up and unlocking mm -hmm. um, real discernment and interpretation for God's voice in dreams. Yeah, practically, I when I when people are asking me about how to even begin interpreting dreams, and I always say like, be careful on what you are using to interpret the dreams you're having. Um, because you can, there are resources out there. There, there is people who have dunk, dug wells, you know, prior, um, and have developed this and have put out resources to help you. But what I always tell people is make sure that the resources you're using are pointing back to the word. Um, one of the resources I used, um, that I still use, um, but they give you direct scripture reference for you to go to the word and to dig out yourself what, what is being said. But yeah, there's, in the early days, you'll just, you'll, you'll notice certain things that the Lord will use as repetition um, in order to get your attention to speak to you. There's certain symbols that will mean a certain thing to you. It's, it's almost like, you know, our kids, like Mike has little words or little um, names that he calls the kids or little sayings where they know like, okay, dad's talking to me. Nobody else knows what he's saying. It's like, a specific language. It's a language that he them. uses with them. So I, I feel like the Lord does that with us. There's, there's specific things that he says and um, that we'll know that he is, you know, you know, speaking to us and that. So it's the same way. It, and it seems like really simple. It is complex, but the more attention you give it, the more it begins to grow. Um, trust me in the beginning days, I was so confused. I was like, I have no idea, but I would just begin to sit down and journal, just begin to write it out. And I would, I'd write out the meanings. And at the time, as you sit, the Holy spirit just begins to reveal, um, all things. And, um, even, you know, like Mike is talking about, maybe you're seeing things futuristically and over time, like the Lord is faithful to his word and he will bring it to pass. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We pray that it has fanned into flame the love that you have for him. If you would like more information about Burning Ones, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media, visit our website, burningones.org, or download our app.